Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Pop Culture University. The university where you learn everything that is going on in pop culture and see what life lessons you can get from it. It is educational and inspirational. What more can you want? I'm your host, Patty Eminger. You may know me as Patty Pop Culture, the uber famous celebutant uh, commentator on TikTok. 3.1 million followers. Follow if you don't. The fuck? If it is your first time here, thank you so much for coming. If it is not your first time here, thank you so much for coming back. I love you. I stand you. I'm in your fandom. You guys. If you can't tell, I'm like wired right now. I'm high right now. I feel like I just took ketamine and acid and LSD and a whole bottle of Hennessy. I'm having the best time of my life because Ava motherfucking Max. Yeah, put some respect on her name. Ava Max. She just released her new album and I've had this podcast prepared for a while. Like I wanted to record it, but I put it off for a few hours because I've been dancing by myself in my basement, having the best time looking like... like just like Britney Spears like I'm looking fucking crazy but in the best motherfucking way I'm spinning twirling my neck is broken from everything I'm doing it is the best album ever the song on her album get out of my heart is going to win a Grammy mark my fucking words Beyonce has never made a better song I'm an Ava Ava Max stan if you can't tell I have met her before she's amazing we're besties she this album is giving everything you love about 2000s pop and i'm not talking about that Katy perry weak shit teenage dream i'm talking about that early 2000s uh kylie minogue cascada it's giving all the eurovision groups ava max is like a one woman girl group because she makes such empowering fun dance anthems that like lyrics that a girl group would sing but it's really just her and she is single-handedly keeping pop alive and that is just a fact so go check it out i'm gonna give you a taste of the album throughout this episode but there's a lot of new music today and it is a fun ass night i'm living my life sam smith just released their album zara larson just released a single chloe bailey one of my other favorite artists of all time who i met at the billboard awards just released a song So I'm going to give you a taste of all of it today. And I think I'm having a conniption. This is my favorite day of the whole year. And it's all I'm going to be listening to. And I don't know how I'm going to not break out twerking, throwing my ass, and dance my literal face off at the gym when I'm listening to this song. I might just be one of those people who look crazy in public, but I just have to. So go check it out. But we have a lot to talk about today, including Ticketmaster being brought in front of the Senate for all their shady business. And if Ticketmaster is going to have to be split up so nothing like that Taylor Swift fiasco ever happens again, which there's very good news for us as ticket buyers and fans. So you'll want to hear that. Then we're going to talk about a crazy music industry conspiracy theory that says that some of your favorite artists are actually... um, pulling a Millie Vanilli and are not recording their vocals because other artists are doing it for them. It's a whole crazy thing. You need to hear it. Sam Smith just confronted how they are a part of the conspiracy theory and their response was so funny. Then we're going to talk about some of celebrities' biggest insecurities and how they were able to turn those insecurities into businesses. Some of these insecurities are so crazy. Just wait to hear them. Before we get into it, make sure to rate this podcast five star on Spotify, Apple Podcasts. Leave a cute little review, screenshot yourself listening to it, and post it to your Instagram story and tag me. You know, tell all your friends, tell your sugar daddy, tell your top. And without further ado, welcome to Pop Culture University. Take your seats. Did you guys see the Billboard chart this week? Miley Cyrus got the number one. Damn. She's in the club. Hi, I'm Perp with some shades on. 
She's back at number one. She hasn't had a hit this big since Wrecking Ball. I'm not even kidding. It's demolishing streaming records everywhere. She beats SZA. I feel so bad for SZA because she's been trying to get the number one for a few weeks now, but everyone keeps blocking her. She shouldn't have released the single during December because Mariah Carey, of course, during her only relevant time of the year, was blocking her with All I Want for Christmas is You. Um, and then Taylor Swift was blocking her with Antihero, and now Miley's blocking her. So it seems like she's not going to be able to get past Miley, and she's number two right now. So sucks for SZA. I f- kind of feel bad for her, but then again, I don't feel bad for her because she still has one of the biggest songs in the country and is making so much money. Just not the number one biggest, I guess. Sorry, SZA. But you know who is making a lot of money? That is Ticket Motherfucking Master the monopoly of the ticket-selling industry itself. And Ticketmaster's reputation has never been worse. And we are tired of its scheming for the last time. So these Ticketmaster monopoly men were finally taken to court. And they were not given the get-out-of-jail-free card. They picked up a card from the community chest, and it said, Use a bitch. Do not pass go and collect $200. Because they, two days ago by the time you're hearing this, they went to the Senate and were being investigated after traumatizing Swifties everywhere, more than Jake Gyllenhaal and John Mayer combined, because of the whole fiasco of Swifties being charged insane amounts of money to get a ticket like I was. I was charged $950 for my ticket, and it's not even that good. Or they just didn't get the ticket at all, and they were literally crying, breaking down, screaming on Suicide Watch. Not kidding. And they were able to do this because they basically have complete control over the ticket sale and ticket pricing industry for live entertainment events all throughout the country. And it's been brought up as a major problem. AOC was very vocal about it. A lot of other artists were very vocal about troubles they are having with Ticketmaster, like Bad Bunny. His concert tickets were having a very similar situation to Taylor Swift because he's also extremely popular. Um, not only that, but Bruce Springsteen fans were being charged up to $5,000 for front row Bruce Springsteen tickets, which I literally would not even pay $5 for that. Um, Pearl Jam, like years ago when they were like super, super popular, they would refuse to work with Ticketmaster because they just did not want to like feed their system and they did not support the monopoly and the shady ways of them. So they would only perform at venues that was, that were not supported by Ticketmaster. So a lot of artists really, really hate them. And It makes sense. And a lot of fans do, too. And now we are one step closer to knowing if Ticketmaster is going to have to break up. Thus, no longer having complete control over ticket sales. And thus, making tickets way cheaper for all of us. Because, bitch, we only have two kidneys. And we can only sell one. And I'm not donating I'm not donating to the damn sperm bake to make money. Thank God Rihanna really doesn't even like music anymore and she's probably not going on that tour that she was speaking of this year because I simply could not cough up another thousand dollars. I want to go to the Beyonce tour. I already paid a thousand dollars for Taylor. Like I needed a fucking break. So the president of Ticketmaster, Joe Burke told Ew, and of course he's like a rich white straight man. Do you know that Kesha song that's like, what if rich, white, straight men didn't rule the world anymore? Ha, 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 ha. It's a great song. You should check it out. I don't know what it's called, but yeah. He's one of those people. He sat in front of the Senate um, Judiciary. I'm sorry. I had to think about how to pronounce that. He sat in front of the Senate Judiciary Committee full of both Republicans and Democrats and was grilled about and was grilled by the panel to investigate if Ticketmaster really needed to break up. So in order for the Senate to force Ticketmaster and Live Nation to break up after they merged in, I believe, 2009, thus creating this monopoly, first, they would have to prove that they are a monopoly, which is not illegal. So technically, they could continue being a monopoly. But second, what is illegal is abusing your monopoly position which is basically defined by a business that establishes or maintains its monopoly through improper conduct and does not allow for others to enter the market. So step number two would be proving that they're abusing it to basically create an unfair market for consumers and artists alike and dictating the whole realm. So the president, Joe, he not not Joe Biden, he's too busy like falling off bikes and laughing about Venn diagrams with Kamala. Joe Berktold, the president of Ticketmaster, he said that it was not a monopoly. He was like, "Mm -mm, I do not think Ticketmaster is a monopoly, sir, and we should be able to keep doing our shady stuff. He said, we believe the ticket selling business has never been more competitive. We believe that fact is demonstrated by every venue renewal. It has multiple credible offers and a bidding process. 
But that statement or fact or whatever he was trying to convey there, it didn't really buy the opinions of the Senate that they were sitting in front of. So they realized that even though there are other people potentially who could be in the market, Ticketmaster still controls 70% of all ticket sales in America. And that, by definition, is a monopoly in their book. So someone on the committee said that they won't sit there and pretend like it isn't a monopoly. People who were working on the production of the Airs tour were also there that day. And they said that Ticketmaster's exclusive deals with the vast majority of venues on the Eras Tour required us to ticket through their system only. We didn't have a choice. So that sounds like a monopoly to me. Venues said they will not be able to get their kind of acts that they want to perform at their venues and make money from if they don't use Ticketmaster because they're the only people that they can do it through. So again, sounds like a monopoly to me. So Joe was shut down. So step one was done. But then they had to prove if they're actually abusing the power of their monopoly. And all signs point to yes. Because in the lawsuit filed against them, it said, quote, the company has created a barrier to entry in the primary and secondary ticket selling markets. They would do a whole list of shady things as well, which just seems like abusing their power that us fans and um, everyone knows all too well. Did you like that nice little Taylor plug I had there? All of like the attorneys at this meeting or whatever where they kept referencing taylor swift when they were handling like this very serious matter they just kept referencing taylor swift and it was so funny like everyone is such a swifty and anyone who's not a swifty is a closet swifty and like it's really embarrassing just come out of the closet the closet is glass babe we know you know the words to every song on folklore like you're not better you're not a it's giving pick me girl if you pretend like you don't like taylor swift if you're listening to someone currently if you're listening with someone beside you right now who doesn't like taylor swift just look at each other right now and know you both like Taylor Swift and that person is lying to you and they can try to defend themselves, but <laughs> we know anyway. So, um, they said that they were doing shady things like using dynamic pricing. Dynamic pricing is such a shady word for being a literal scammer. And I hate when scammers use shady, but like pleasant sounding phrases to cover up their disgusting activities. I can't really think of an example right now, but just like dynamic pricing is basically you can increase the price of a ticket if more people want that ticket. So there's no set price, but because Taylor Swift is so popular, they would they were able to skyrocket the tickets because they're like, oh, we're using dynamic pricing. Taylor didn't want to use dynamic pricing apparently, but she did not have a choice in the matter. So because they were also saying in this meeting that it was proven artists do not control the fees that their fans um, are having to pay and thus the fans are getting screwed over. Ticketmaster was raving, was raising the fees up to 40% of the original ticket price, which is insane, unheard of. Like, why would I want to click on a ticket that costs $500 and then have to pay like $200 more? That's insane clickbait, false advertising. It's just such a huge margin it's absolutely ridiculous that they could even get away with that, but that's capitalism for you. And they would do it in really shitty ways that they even brought up during this whole hearing. Uh, they would just do it in shady ways by putting fans in vulnerable positions. And I can like firsthand account attest to this. I could have sat on trial and testified against Ticketmaster, like right hand on the Bible. So help me God if I lie. Because when I was buying the ticket, me and my friends were put in such a vulnerable situation. And that's why we didn't even get the good seats that we wanted. Like, we're on the floor and everything, but those seats are not worth $950. Let me just tell you that. And we had... One of my friends had to open a credit card so we could even get in the presale because it was... I forgot what credit card she, she did. Oh, yeah. It was a Capital One presale. So you had to have a Capital One card. So someone literally had to, like, ruin their credit score for that. And then we had to get in there early. And we had approximately like 10 seconds from the time we finally got to the front of the queue to pick a seat or that seat was going to be sold. So we were just clicking anywhere and everywhere on the little map of the stadium. And you could see as my friend was on there that the tickets were like blacking out before our eyes. So it was truly the most rushed, vulnerable, and really just like opportune way to get a fan to spend so much money. Not only that, but when we were buying the tickets, there were blue dots and orange dots a blue dot meant a seat that was not a vip seat but an orange dot meant 
a seat that is a VIP seat and it was going to cost you extra for some kind of added value. But when we finally got in the queue to pick a seat, guess what? Every single dot was orange. We didn't have a choice but to buy a VIP ticket. And they knew being a vulnerable Swifty who wanted to go so bad, we weren't even going to look at the price. We weren't even going to look that it was VIP. We just clicked on a seat, hope no one bought it on the floor and just bought it. When we first clicked on it, it was $600 each. And we were like, okay, that's a lot, but it's on the floor. Like, that's fine. But by the time we checked out, those three tickets, we had to charge about $3,000 to my one friend's dad's credit card because our credit limits weren't above $3,000. So none of us could do it. We had to use her literal dad's credit card and then pay him back like $1,000 instantly. And the VIP added value that we got was not even added value. We get like a tote bag a sticker that says you just got played and you're an idiot, hopefully. And we got early entry to the venue. But bitch, if we paid for a seat, no one's going to take that seat. We don't need early entry. Like what? Just, just to sit there and watch the opener. Like it's just such a scam. The fees plus the VIP took our tickets from like a little bit less than 600 to 950. I actually felt like an old lady who like got her purse stolen from her in the middle of the street. I just felt robbed. It was, it, it was like a dirty feeling after. I immediately had buyer's remorse. It was just horrible. But um, in the hearing, they said that consumers will pay the price for these mon- monopolistic acts with higher ticket prices and more fees, lower quality of experience, less choice, and less innovation. And that is absolutely true. And I'm a victim of that. So... They even tried to blame Taylor Swift. The Joe man said that um, it is a function of the massive demand of Taylor Swift that we had all of these problems. And he tried to blame the bot for the bot attacks that then made the dynamic pricing go up because Ticketmaster thought there was more people in there and made the resale ticket prices go up even more. But the judges or whoever called them out on their bullshit so fast because they were like if you cared about the consumers you would fix the flaws in your system and every other uh ticket selling organization who sells tickets for like sports games or whatever they know how to handle bots they've learned how to handle bots and you guys haven't they almost like called them out for collusion or like conspiring to make fans pay more because they were like you probably wanted the bots in there so you could raise the prices with your dynamic pricing And that's absolutely right. So I love that they really grilled them so hard. The guy looks so scared the whole time. And they even screw over the artist with this thing too because they set the fees so high on these tickets, which makes the fans get so mad at Taylor. But Taylor doesn't even get most of the money. They had a smaller act like show up at this meeting and testify against them almost. And hold on. Oh my God. Someone is FaceTiming me on my Mac. Oh my God, I'm so popular. Everyone wants to talk to me. Sorry. So this guy from a smaller band said that for every $40 of concert tickets that they sell, the artist only gets $6. I don't know what percent that is. I'm not like a mathematician or Albert Einstein, but that is a very small percent. So not only are they stealing from the fans, they're stealing from the artist and they set the cost and you can't really argue with them. They have control of the venue usage and the ticket sales. So they have everyone by the throat. And it's really shitty for artists because they make money by touring. So they're getting fucked over too because artists these days, they're not making a whole bunch of money by streaming. They're making like a few cents per however many streams. So they're really not making a decent amount of money. And being an artist is really hard. I feel really bad for music artists because they're here giving us our lives and giving us a reason to live. But they go into debt to make their music and they have to bank on having a successful album to be able to pay their industry or to be able to pay their record label back. And now that they're getting screwed over by Ticketmaster 2, it's just like, how are they even going to make money? It's so annoying. So basically, anyway, Live Nation and Ticketmaster can make money. That's what they're doing with all these fees and everything. So what did they end up with at the end of this hearing? Um, The attorneys were saying that vertical merging, um, this is an example of vertical merging on steroids, cutting out competition and harming consumers. The only way to restore competition in this industry is to break up Ticketmaster and Live Nation. So yeah, it was proven to be a monopoly, but they aren't really sure if they will be forced to break up yet because they're still being investigated. But this would be amazing news for all of us. So I think what we can learn from this whole thing besides the shadiness of all industries and uh, trying to rob us all dry and literally traumatizing people taking all of our savings 
everything. I think what we can learn is because we really don't have control over these giants in the industry, we can learn how to feel about giving our money to businesses with this kind of power and to not feel like you need to keep up with the Joneses in a way, if you know what I'm saying. Like, don't fall into the trap of feeling like you need to spend all this ridiculous amount of money on something like the Eras tour tickets if the pricing is generally unjust and genuinely not worth it and unfair. I don't think you should fall into the trap of playing their game or needing to go to this event to feel like you're um, like worthy or cool or whatever. So I'm just trying to look at it from a way that we can actually learn something and like change our behavior some way because while we can't take down Ticketmaster, we can control how we spend our money and how we feel about it. So like I would say just don't let your material possessions prove your worth because a lot of businesses and companies are over here charging people way too much and preying on people who do that exact thing of overpaying without much research so they can show off that they own something or are going somewhere. And that was a lesson I came up with because I was genuinely embarrassed and felt bad after I bought the ticket. I was like, wow, I needed to go that bad. I needed to see her that bad. Yes, it'd be a great experience dancing and being in the same room with Taylor Swift and all of that. But is it really worth a thousand dollars? Like, that's my rent. Like, that's a lot of shit. Like, I feel like I just wanted to go to like say I went because it was this massive event that everyone was trying to get into. But I kind of want to sell my ticket, but not for like overpriced like everyone else is doing but I'm gonna go it just makes me feel so dumb that I gave in to that whole thing and I played the game and everything like that so I feel like there's just power in saving money and not giving into systems like that and I also feel like to go easy on your parents too because they probably wanted to get you these tickets so bad but in this day and age with this economy people cannot be spending thousands of dollars on a ticket that is being skyrocketed in price just to scam you. So Between that little break there, I listened to Ava Max again. Oh my god. I'm gonna go deaf listening to that album, but in the best way, because I'm gonna play it so loud. Every time I hear it, I get possessed by a gay demon and I just start dancing so fucking hard. You know who else is possessed by a gay demon? Jay-Z. Yeah, the one who's married to Beyonce and cheated on her. That one. It must be the cash because it ain't your face. That one. Speaking of the shady music industry. They will do anything in that industry to make some money. And we all know that is true, as we just heard with Ticketmaster. But the craziest conspiracy theory about the music industry actually comes from the fact that people think that some of their favorite artists do actually not have as much talent as they are portraying. And their vocals are being recorded by someone else who's already proven to have talent. And I know that sounds crazy, but this is a real conspiracy theory. Basically, the theory goes that once the music industry finds someone who has a really good voice and just has that voice that works so well with radio and can sell records and is just perfect in the studio, they'll actually try to double the money they can make from that voice by pitching it up or pitching it down and then giving it to another artist who has the look and the swag or whatever. Ew, I hate that word. I, why, like, why did I just say that? They have the look and the marketability and the personality and the star quality to be able to sell that sound. I know it sounds crazy, but just like follow with me here. Your mind is going to be blown. I promise you I'm such a conspiracy theorist. And this one is, I think, maybe the most interesting because it seems like the least likely. But then when you hear what you're about to hear, you're like, oh, my God, your mind is going to be fucked. So what happened? Okay, so the first example is between... Nicki Minaj and Jay-Z. So people think that Jay-Z or Nicki Minaj, either way, one of them are recording the other person's songs because when you speed up 
Jay-Z, it sounds exactly like Nicki Minaj. And when you slow down Nicki Minaj, it sounds exactly like Jay-Z. Like you're not changing the pitch of the voice or anything. You're not altering it. You're not putting a voice effect. You're just slowing it down because men's voices are at like a... Some different... Vi- I don't know if it's like a wider vibration or, or something, but basically like a man's voice could sound like a woman's just slowed down because it's deeper. So here is Jay-Z singing Anaconda. Well, well, it's actually Nicki Minaj, but it's just slowed down. So here's the slowed down version of Anaconda. Literally insane. And Jay-Z saying the words is just hilarious to me. Like the thought of Jay-Z recording Nicki Minaj songs sends me. And think of him writing them too. Like he he really has to channel a slim, thick, big booty femme fatale rapper rapping about sucking dick and getting money. Like I picture his hairy booty cheeks clapping in the studio while he records it. Like imagine Jay-Z writing, ass so fat, all these bitches pussies is throbbing. Bad bitches, I'm your leader. Phantom by the meter. Somebody point me to the best ass eater. Tell him pussy clean. I tell him pussy squeaky. Blank, give me brain, cause all of them blank geeky. If if he got a mandingo, then I buy him a dashiki. And bust this pussy open in the islands of Waikiki. <laughs> like, if we're really going to lean into the, to this theory, Jay-Z would have to write that, and that's just so funny. And he has to deliver it with passion. So, isn't just the audio of that literally insane? And people's explanation is like, oh my god, Jay-Z is such a legend and an icon, and He's worth over a billion dollars now, so they wanted to double on that profit. And Jay-Z is obviously in the Illuminati and, you know, would never pass up the opportunity to make money. So maybe he's in on it. Another example is even crazier. Like, I I made a TikTok about this a long time ago. And this is the one that really got people like, wait, Patty, I just thought you were crazy. But now I'm like, is this real? Is this theory real? So this one is between Post Malone and Justin Bieber. Justin Bieber. And if you pitch down justin it sounds like post malone or if you pitch up post it sounds like justin because justin has that higher kind of um like like just like nasally but also like very like still like sexy like just higher pitch sexy guy voice in that range and they both kind of give the same vibe so it would make sense to double up on justin's success let's give it to someone who has a similar vibe like they both kind of sing that pop music and may or may not do drugs and they both have the same raggedy disheveled white boy vibe so it would just make sense and they're really good friends too they're always together so i don't know so when justin bieber isn't busy being a lizard and transforming into a lizard in front of everyone almost getting caught or going to jail he records post malone's vocals so here is that one isn't that literally crazy is that crazy okay so i brought up this whole thing because sam smith actually commented on this theory just the other day so sam smith was a guest on the drew barrymore show and they were talking about the craziest rumor ever spread about sam and sam's response was that everyone thinks that they are actually adele and they are the same person they record each other's vocals and they were just saying that it's the most frustrating thing because they can't prove that they're not Adele because Sam and Adele have never been seen in the same room together ever. So it's like really like, what are the odds of that? They're in the same industry. They're doing all the same shit. And it's not because Adele has a restraining order on Sam. I thought Sam's gay ass would be dying to be in the same room as Adele. So it just does not make sense. But people think that they fall into this theory as well. Either, Adele is recording the vocals for Sam or vice versa. And they're just like doing this. One of them is doing it for each other. And they're very similar. They even have a lot in common. Like they're both British. They kind of talk the same. They both sing the same kind of music. They're both balladeers. The sad breakup songs, big belting, 
they're both critically acclaimed. So it makes sense. Like maybe this is the same artist doing both of these vocals. So here I'm going to play the slowed down version of Adele and then the sped up version of Sam. And they both sound alike both times. Oh, Isn't that literally insane? Um, your mind is blown. You cannot tell me it's not. So the theory goes, they wanted to just double up in the money and someone is recording for the other one and someone is lying. So here's Sam's response to the whole thing and how frustrating Sam thinks it is. Everyone seems to think that I'm Adele. So people think that we're the same person and I'm just in drag right now. And I get asked all the time in every interview about it and it's really frustrating. But I am not Adele. <laughs> We're talking about the same music industry that let Millie Vanilli not even record their own songs and win a Grammy. Like, that really happened. They really got to do that. And they still won the Grammy, and their record label was just, like, fine with it, and they knew that was going on. So I wouldn't doubt if this was going on, but I'm, I'm not mad. We get Nicki Minaj out of it. <laughs> we just get double the fun here. So I want to talk about voices for one more second, though. Um, hopefully I turned you into believer, into a believer right there. Not just a believer. I am a believer, by the way, a believer. Justin, he's done it for me since day one. I love Justin. I will defend him to the end. But I want to talk about voices here of another young heartthrob, Austin Butler. So Austin Butler is kind of making waves because he was nominated for best actor at the Oscars. And people are like, should he get the best actor nomination? I'm not quite sure because they think he's a bit goofy. And people are kind of making fun of him online, including his ex-girlfriend, Vanessa Hudgens, because Austin is taking method acting to the next level. And to method act to become Elvis, he watched every single Elvis movie he possibly could. He didn't even like see his friends and family for years. And he started talking like him all the time. So his voice changed. But now that the movie's done filming and it's already out and everything, he's still talking like Elvis. He has not stopped. And people are just clowning him. They're like, bruh, the jig is up. Your, your movie did great. What are you doing? And Austin's vocal coach had to defend him. His vocal coach said that um, his accent is genuine because of what he went through to prepare for Elvis. So yeah, he's talking a little different than he used to, but he may just be stuck like that now. And that he might remain, quote, forever talking like that. And that's what his vocal coach said. And Vanessa Hutchins, she saw page six post that on Instagram. And she commented on their photo and just said, crying. <laughs> Something about Vanessa Hutchins. She's not afraid to say anything on Instagram. She, she doesn't care who she drags. She doesn't care who dies of COVID. If you remember when she was like, people are going to die of COVID. But that that's inevitable. So who cares? Like... She's just hilarious, and she's going to expose Austin Butler. Yes, that's obviously not his real voice, and he's clearly living in a state of delusion, talking like he is talking like Elvis, but I think it's hilarious. So here's his voice before and after. But they waited, and so I was kind of the only person there. So it, it just, all the stars felt like they were aligning. Even, even though I was late night, I hate being late. It was like, it felt special. It was kind of, I think. I didn't expect that he would feel that type of fear. And uh, and so that was really liberating for me to know that all of the pressure that I was feeling, the responsibility and the fear that I had was okay. They're slightly similar, but like Austin, that was like you clearly changed your voice there. And like the amount of evidence we have, but he's just like, no, I am Elvis. Like, I'm going to talk like this for as long as I want. I feel like a part of him. Well, first, he's clearly just going for the Oscar now at this point, like. You, you really need to build an Oscar campaign to win that award even after your movie comes out. And a part of that campaign is just seeming like the best actor. And I think he wants the Academy to just see how dedicated he is. He's going to talk like Elvis years after that movie comes out. He's never going to let it go. I also think Austin is maybe anxiously attached to Elvis and like he doesn't want to give up that whole shine that he had playing Elvis. So he's going to like re really milk this thing until... 
the end of time. But good for him. I think living in delusion like that is fun. And I really support that. So what can we learn from that delusional conspiracy theory about the music artists that may or may not be true? And Austin Butler living in delusion. I think we can learn that being delusional is fun. And being delusional is actually really important. You might think, no, Patty, being delusional is like a mental handicap. And you shouldn't want to live in reality. So you can, you know, be in reality with everyone and make good decisions for your life and know what's going on around you and make informed life choices, blah, blah, blah. But I think being delusional is actually a really big positive in life because when's the last time someone achieved something so out of this world, so unheard of, never been done before, and they weren't thinking delusionally? No one. Who last became a pop star by thinking small and thinking in reality? No one. Who last became... Like, I I wake up and I think I'm Ryan Seacrest every day. Or not Ryan Seacrest because... I'm, I'm like openly gay, but no, I'm just kidding. Um, I think I'm like Ross Matthews, like every day. I think I'm the best host, but like that could just be delusion or has me thinking delusionally like that led me to this. You know what I'm saying? Did thinking delusionally, like when Lady Gaga was poor and trying to make it as a music artist, but still saying she's the biggest pop star in the world when she had no hits at all. And then she became the biggest pop star in the world. Like she vouches for delusion all the time. So I think reality, living in reality is boring and you should live with a little bit of delusion every day to inspire yourself because delusion starts as delusion in place of reality. But then delusion, since you're thinking about it so much, you manifest it and then delusion that is not reality becomes delusion that is reality. And then your delusions are just reality. So... You're welcome for that very important lesson, and you guys should be. Today I was walking out of my house to go to the gym, which is like a public place that a lot of people could see me at. And right before I left, my dad, me and my dad were talking, by the way, like before I even left. And he just wanted to wait to say this to right before I walked out the door to go to a public place. He goes, Patrick, those are the ugliest pants I've ever seen you wear. When I already had on my shoes and coat and everything, like going to the gym. And I'm like, oh, really? And he's like, yeah, not only the color is ugly but the way it fits you is ugly and just the whole, like you're too tall for those pants. That yellow, that you're that, that yellow orange of your pants is so ugly. I did tell him he sounded like he was dying walking up the stairs right before, but I felt very attacked and my, what's wrong with yellow pants? I was wearing yellow sweatpants. They were hot. They made my ass look great. Like, sorry. I wanted to wear a color of sweatpants other than gray or black. I love them, but um, yeah, I was really hate crime today. I still wore them out like the baddest bitch in the world, though, because I'm delusional. I was like, damn, my yellow pants, I look good as fuck. But other people were probably like, what the hell is that walking banana doing? Anyway, you know who else achieved great success but probably started as just like so delusional? Kim Kardashian. Kim Kardashian gave a lesson to students at Harvard this week. Yeah, you heard me right. Kim Kardashian went to Harvard Wherever Harvard is, I literally have no idea. <laughs> Wherever Harvard is in America, she went there and gave a speech to students who are probably much smarter than her, uh, st like uh, academically wise. But she was still at Harvard. What? Like it's hard? We all know that law school is for boring and ugly people, but Kim Kardashian is making it hot. So Kim went there and she gave a nearly two hour presentation to the students about business, about her business skims, um, as it relates to direct to consumer businesses. So Harvard was doing a direct to consumer seminar and they thought who better than someone who runs an online empire similar to Kim Kardashian with skims than to give a presentation to all of our business students or law students or whatever, whoever she 
was giving it to. So Kim posted on Instagram about this and she said, I spoke at Harvard Business School yesterday for a class called HBS Moving Beyond DTC. Whatever the fuck that means. The class's assignment was to learn about skims. So my partner Jens and I spoke about our marketing, our challenges and our greatest wins i'm so proud of skims and the thought that it is a course being studied at harvard is just crazy thank you professor len and harvard hbs for having us hashtag bucket list dream kim kardashian is truly taking over the world and being the sexiest person at the same time like she needs to be studied just as a person not even just at harvard but at nasa at the most intelligent operation systems in the whole world like she's such a legend she's such a celebutant i love the word celebutant lately please refer to me as a celebutant i think that means just like a major celebrity who like captivates everyone so patty the celebutant but kim is really just such a legend and people were kind of giving harvard shit they were like why are you letting in kim kardashian to give a speech at your university it doesn't make you look credible it doesn't make you look like a good investment for these students or like such an Ivy League that you claim to be. It's it's almost like embarrassing and tarnishing the Harvard name by letting Kim Kardashian in. I couldn't disagree more. First of all, yes, she was born with money, but so are a lot of people who have not done nearly a fraction of what she has. A lot of people are born with the same amount of money and then lose half of it. Like she, she didn't even double it. She times it by a billion. Like, how can you not say what she's doing is, is impressive and should be studied? Absolutely. Especially in the day and age of socialites, of internet influencers. So many people could potentially have a similar career path as Kim. And the fact that businesses are so re- dependent on online sales these days. A direct-to-consumer study of Kim's empire is so important. So I think she absolutely deserves to be there. But I think what's really cool about what Kim did with Skims is that she kind of took her biggest insecurity throughout her whole life, AKA uh, her body and the fact that she felt like she needed, she needed to hug in her body with shapewear her whole life to be considered like slim or sexy. Uh, And she she turned it into a billion dollar business. Her biggest insecurity is she was way too big in 2007 when she was coming up, you know, in the world of Paris Hilton and Nicole Richie or the Pussycat Dolls and things like that. And she said she used to have to buy two pairs of the tightest shapewear ever to go out and not just feel like horrible about herself. And she would wear both of them and cut them to fit her exactly how she wanted to and duct tape them so they couldn't be seen and cut the sleeves off so she could still wear them. Like that was her biggest insecurity. And the fact that she was like, wow, I used to do that so much. Maybe someone else would want to do that. She said, quote, growing up, I only saw skinny models and I didn't relate. I grew up when the body to have was tall, slim and supermodel like, like Cindy Crawford's. No one looked like me. I love to eat, especially sweets. And I'll say it. I think my thighs are jiggly and I have cellulite. I used to be unhappy with my body. I developed really early. Every night I'd sit in the bath and cry and pray my boobs would stop growing. (laughs) Girl, same. That's a part of my daily routine, crying about my boobs. Uh, and then she said that she used to be hesitant about going outside in a bikini on a sunny day because she knew the paparazzi would capture a photo of her and her flaws would be accentuated. Quote, there are paparazzi everywhere. That's a fact. So if I go out in bright sunlight and my cellulite will be out and it'll be, and it'll be visible, um, she just could not do that, she felt like. So she said that she would hang out of her dresses too much if she didn't wear shapewear and she couldn't wear anything too tight because her stomach or her thighs would bulge and i kind of did something really similar to kim before i knew kim ever wore shapewear i did like male shapewear but in the way that kim did it where i it was very diy because i was in this show at my high school it was like a mock beauty pageant that they do for the seniors at a high school where you just like perform on stage and do something like silly for the whole school but i was really nervous about it i was bigger back then for sure and I was I had to dance, so I didn't want to be like jiggling when I danced in front of the whole school. That in my head would have just been so embarrassing. I know, it, like I shouldn't think that way, but at that insecure time, I just did not want to face that. So I went to some clothing store and I found a pair of, or just like one shirt, but it was the smallest, thickest, 
tightest Under Armour shirt I could find that I know was not my size at all. It was strangling my body, but it made like it pushed me down and sucked me in so much that it looked like I lost like 10 pounds when I was on stage and nothing moved, like nothing jiggled at all because it was so tightly pushed in. And I remember like I wore a short sleeve shirt on stage. So even though the shirt came in long sleeve, I had to cut off the sleeves and just hope that my arms wouldn't jiggle too much. But I was really in the same boat as Kim doing the same thing, like trying to cut shapewear. Maybe I should make like a men's shapewear line because I've definitely done exactly what she was doing. And I was so insecure about it. So the fact that she turned that into a business, like she's so smart. And she even told her consumers of Skims that she wants them to do the same thing that she did with her shapewear. She wants them to pick their insecurity when they're buying it. So she would say, if you want to cover your arms, wear this one. Or you want to cover your legs, wear this one. Like everybody just pick your insecurity and figure out how to cover it with Skims. And I got you. And I know like we shouldn't live in a world where we're trying to cover our insecurities, but let's face it, a lot of us are internally insecure and we can't help it sometimes. We, I will legit spiral if I'm feeling too off about myself. So, you know, you look good, you feel good. And I think that's really cool that she found her insecurity and made it into a really positive business. Now, I encourage everyone to do this because being stuck with your insecurity and just like letting people attack you for it or make comments about it and not liking it is not the way to live and I've dealt with insecurities like that for so long but I started to realize that a lot of people I admired they turned their biggest insecurity into their biggest asset almost and they realized that's what makes them unique and cool or they could use this insecurity to capitalize on it in some way so I feel like becoming friends with your insecurity is a very good thing so I'm gonna read off some really random celebrity biggest um insecurities and some of these are going to shock you and they're by the most like beautiful and famous rich successful celebrities so the first one is rihanna she said quote i pick on my body a lot it's a thing that women do we walk in front of the mirror and we look at our butt and we're like is it getting bigger today oh no ew it's still flat so she would kind of talk about her insecurity of getting in front of the mirror naked and not feeling voluptuous enough or sexy enough and imagine how that made her feel if a guy was there or something so I think it's cool that she made like Savage X Fenty where it's celebrating seeing your body in like a sexy, um, like almost fully unclothed kind of way, but making you just feel so empowered and confident when you're looking at yourself in the mirror like that. And I'm sure that's what inspired her to really go hard with that business. Someone else is Sofia Vergara. This is crazy to me because she said, quote, sometimes I look at the mirror and I feel like I look like a drag queen. I'm a woman, but I'm very exaggerated with my boobs, my ass, how I do my makeup, and my accent. Of course. But I feel like all those things are what make Sofia Vergara Sofia Vergara. Like, she would not be this almost caricature of a woman, which I guess drag queens are. They try to be these over-exaggerated caricatures of a woman. But Sofia Vergara still looks like a very natural, like, gorgeous woman. And in the best way. And I hope she realizes, like, that thing she's insecure about, looking like a drag queen, is what makes her her and unique and she would not be her without it. So um, someone else is Taylor Swift. Her insecurity is so interesting to me because it's just never something you would think. She said, quote, every single part of me that has been dissected at some point or another by a blog writer or a 14 year old girl on a comment page who says something really terrible or someone in middle school who points out some random insecurity of yours, like, the fact that Taylor has little eyes. She said that, like, that I have little eyes. I guess I never really noticed that her eyes were little. It's just so interesting, people's random insecurities. Beyonce's is so random. She says, if I could change one part of my body, it would be my feet. After all these years dancing, they're a little beat up, and I would wear big earrings all the time because I don't like my ears? Her feet and her ears? Like, What? So specific and odd, but just goes to show you could think someone is so beautiful and perfect and want to be like them so much or think their specific physical traits that they're talking about are so gorgeous, but they might hate them. And you have no idea what people truly think about themselves. This one is shocking. Angelina Jolie, what's the first thing you think that she's known for? Her gorgeous face, like her gorgeous, almost like perfect cheekbones and perfect lips and eyes like it looks like she was just made out of marble and is like nipped and tucked in all the right places i don't really know what work she's had done but 
there's people who get plastic surgery to specifically look like her because they think she's so gorgeous and just stunning. But she said, quote, I'm a little odd looking. Sometimes I feel like I look like a funny Muppet. What? It's insane that she can look at her million dollar face and think she looks like a Muppet. But to us, she's Angelina Jolie. It's just wild. Um, someone else, Megan Fox, you know, gorgeous. You would never think she's insecure. She said, quote, in terms of how I look, I'm completely hysterically insecure. I'm self-loathing, introverted, and neurotic. I mean, if I could describe myself in three three adjectives, it'd be self-loathing, self introverted, and neurotic. So me and Megan Fox are very similar in those ways. But it's just insane to me, these insecurities that go by. And you would never really think. But I love the celebrities who are able to turn their insecurity into something that they capitalize on and make it a business like skims or for example Kylie Jenner her lips I never discredit Kylie with her business because I think what she did is so cool she was so open about how insecure she was by her paper thin lips when she was younger they were really not there at all and people would call her like the ugly duckling of the Kardashians and God, she needed work done. She needed this and this and this. And she got all of that done and sold products to us to, for ourselves to look better. But then people hate on her for making all this money off of us. It's like, you're the ones who bullied her to look like that. And she just turned her insecurities into a business. How are you mad? But this is Kylie talking about her lips and how badly they affected her. So that's why she got injections. I had really small lips okay. and I didn't ever think about it until I had one of my first kisses and a guy said to me oh my god you're such a good kisser we have such small lips or something like that <laughs> oh. and then from wow. then from then on I felt unkissable you felt what? unkissable <laughs> I had an insecurity because this guy said something to me one time then I got an obsession with makeup because I would overline my lips and it just made me feel confident we should name a lip I kit after don't him think about it yeah, now you should, you should do a collab <laughs> That video makes me want to cry. Oh, like I'll never shit on Kylie for like being the first made self billionaire, blah, 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 blah. It makes me want to cry because I feel for her so much in so many aspects. And I'm so happy she was able to turn that into something because if she never did anything about it, she just let people walk all over her for it and bully her for it. Like nothing would have happened. And she would just, if she never became friends with it and confronted it head on, that like the whole Kylie Jenner empire would not have happened. So another good example is Khloe Kardashian with Good American. She was always called the fat one. And when Kim, Courtney, and Khloe would go to photo shoots together, they would have all these options for Courtney and Kim to dress in, but they would have two options for Khloe because that's all she would fit in. And they wouldn't uh, make it more inclusive for her, make a better size range. So now Khloe makes the most inclusive size range of jeans ever. Because that was what she was insecure about. Or Kendall Jenner with the damn cucumber. <laughs> this horse girl didn't know how to cut a cucumber on television. And now she's the face of the Uber Eats campaign. Uh, I think it's called like the Order Almost Almost Anything campaign. And Kendall is literally in a commercial with Chris Jenner cutting a cucumber. Talking about how you can order anything on Uber Eats. Even cucumbers. So Kendall doesn't have to cut hers. Like, it's just insane. Or Lizzo with Yiddy, her shapewear line. People are always commenting on her weight. So she made a shapewear line to capitalize off of it. Or Ariana Grande with her hair falling out. I don't know if you know the origins of Ariana Grande's ponytail, but it's because her hair would fall out because she had to dye it so many times for Cat on Nickelodeon that she had this huge dead patch of hair in the back of her head. So to cover it, she put a high pony and half up, half down. So it would cover that patch in the middle of the back perfectly. And then she turned that hairstyle into her whole iconic image and brand. And she's Miss Ponytail Girl. And she didn't let it destroy her. She worked around it and became friends with it. And I just think it's so cool. But I'm not saying in order to capitalize on your insecurity, you have to change it or hide it or anything. You can just embrace it and let people see it and let them know that it won't affect you. And you're going to take back the way people use it and you're going to reclaim the bullying that you get and turn it into something positive in any way that you can whether that's Kendall with the cucumbers she gets to be in a commercial and who's laughing now or like Dua Lipa with that dance 
you know, she turned it into a positive by doing it on stage and shoving it in people's face. And that got her clout and more people to go to her tour. Or Ariana Grande capitalizing on her hair falling out. So she has to like innovate this cool hairstyle or Kylie with her lips, whatever. It's just doing whatever you can with your insecurity to capitalize on it. So what can we learn from this? Your insecurity is probably what makes you different. It's probably what makes you special. It was probably given to you for a reason. So it could be some sort of trait or characteristic that is highlighted on you and can become, you know, a part of you or you were meant to do something with it or capitalize on it in some way. And you should because it's what makes you unique and no one else can copy it. It's exclusive to you and you can't hide it or never let people know that you changed it because you wanted to or never let people know that it bothers you. You have to honor yourself in some way by either confronting it and changing it or confronting it and embracing it. But you should never let it just destroy you, your insecurities. So find a way to become friends with it. Make your insecurity your best friend. And it's a really good way to honor yourself to own your insecurity. I think my biggest insecurity that I'm willing to share with you guys that I want to capitalize on. Well, I think there's a few. And it's honestly just like my head and my hair area. I've always been told I have a big head. Um, One time I went to go see a guy in a different state. And I saw him in person like multiple times. So I don't know why he said this. He made me feel like I catfished him. But I get there and I'm already insecure about my big head. And it's the worst when you're insecure about something and you don't even tell anyone. And someone points it out and you're like, oh shit, other people can see it too. Like you're, it's not just in your head. But right when I get there, he, one of the first things he said to me is, oh my God, your, your head is big. You need head reduction surgery. Like he said that to me in person. And I was like, oh my God. I was like, I don't know how to react right now. So I think I was just like, oh, haha. But it truly like killed me. And I used to be so insecure about it. And then I have the whole insecurity with like my hair falling out from stress and shedding a bunch with my hair. And I want big hair so I can hide my head and blah, blah, blah. Like I get shots in my head to help regrow my hair and spend a lot of money on it. So those two things just I'm so insecure about. But I'm starting to like think of ways that I can capitalize on them or make them unique to me like I'm starting to really look at like how wide my f- head and my face is and I th- I, th- I think it's cute like I I'm, I'm just like oh my god like that's so me when I look in the mirror like I would not really want to change it because when I look in the mirror I just see traits that are so specific to me that no one else has and I think that's why so many people like me and are into me I just have such a specific look and I I, I want to make the phrase like just to capitalize on it a bit, you know the phrase from Mean Girls when Gretchen Wieners is like, you know why her hair is so big? It's because it's full of secrets. I want to be like, you know why my head is so big? Because it's full of secrets. Like, I was thinking that's a cute little way. I can have some fun with it. And it makes sense because I, you know, spill the tea online and have all the secrets in my head. So I could be like, you know why my head is so big? If anyone ever says that, because it's full of secrets. And still trying to find a way to capitalize on the hair, but... Yeah, it's like, why not just empower yourself with it instead of let it make you cry? All right. Well, thank you guys for joining today. I hope you had the best time listening and getting all the tea. As you know, I had my cheat day the other day. It was glorious. I probably ate 5,000 calories. I have one cheat day a month for those of you who do not know. So I go so crazy that day. Um, I had like three donuts. One of them had Reese's Pieces covering the whole thing. Another one had like Oreos and frosting covering the whole thing. Another one was s'mores and it was filled with marshmallow. And I ate, I drank two large boba teas with tapioca in it. My mom made me this huge chocolate cake with peanut butter filling and so much frosting. I had Wingstop. I truly went crazy that day and probably gained 10 pounds, but better than having a cheat day once a week. I just had the best time. I'm going to post about it on my personal TikTok, Patty Pop Personal. If you want to go check it out, follow me there. I'm going to do a little vlog. It was like Christmas Day to me. I was stuffing my face more than a horny bottom at a glory hole. It was wonderful. Um, I'm going to have such a fun weekend. I'm going out. I'm reuniting with some friends that I'm so excited to see. I'm going to obviously dance to all the new music. And yeah, I'm going to really live it up this weekend i deserve it i work hard this week things are going slay with 
business, blah, 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 blah. So I'm very excited. But I hope you guys have a really fun weekend too. Get out there, do something fun, dance it up. Dancing is so good for your soul. I encourage you, even if you don't go out, to just like carve out 30 minutes in your house this week to dance by yourself in the mirror. Dancing in the mirror is one of the most amazing, reviving, rejuvenating things for my soul. So maybe just get a big mirror and dance in front of it and like have a God complex for 30 minutes. I think you'll have the best time. But until then, rate this podcast five star on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, leave a cute little review, screenshot yourself, listen to it, post it to your Instagram story and tag me. I'll hit you up in your DMs. We can chat it out. I'll repost it on my story. Uh, Tuesday, Friday class, don't forget. Tell your mom, tell your friends, tell your dog, tell your sugar daddy on Grinder. tell everyone. And until next time. Also, again, we're going to have to put off the what would you like to share with the class segment. I had one chosen. I screenshot it. I had it prepared. And then I, I deleted like a whole batch of photos because I just made a video and I deleted it. So it washed away as well right before I started filming this. But get excited for, for that, y'all. Keep sending me your stories. Um, Maybe you could be the first one if your submission is super juicy. So send me some crazy tea going on in your life and I will share it with the whole class and I'll give you some advice. It'll be like an Ask Patty segment. And it'll be worth the wait. Very exciting. I'm just teasing to build up the suspense and get y'all very excited for it so dm me some crazy wild drama that you want to share and have people uh commiserate with you send it in in my dms bye class is dismissed thank you for listening to believe you can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.